recording. Great. Welcome. This is it. This is the inaugural. This is it. This is it. I mean, I'm not supposed to say that because Brian's like, we don't know which will be which, but. Well, this must be the first episode. This is our first <laughs> guest of the podcast version of the unemployed show with a podcaster himself. Can you believe? Can believe. <laughs> Huge podcaster beyond. Beyond. He's beyond and so is the pod. Um, I'm so happy to have Mike Hilton here with me. Hi, Mike. Uh, Anna, hi. I love you. I love you too. Thank you for being here. I'm so happy to be here and I'm honored to be on the first. <laughs> the Say the second, first, third, and fourth in case we the like- first. I'm happy to be on the second. I'm happy to be in the third. I'm happy to be within the first season of the podcast version of The Unemployed Thank Show. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Because you know these are edited. We're not live. We're so not live. This is crazy. Live is over. Live, is it over? I guess not because you do HQ. Like, I don't want to throw you I guess, I'm not honestly, allowed to like, say that. Live is every night at 9.30 p.m. Live is not Eastern. over. But I do think like Facebook Live is over. I do too. I do too. And that's why Brian and I were like, let's do this in another version. For those who've never listened, right? We brought, I mean, mm-hmm. Mike has been on the show. We did uh, 55 zero episodes. It's unbelievable. Of the Unemployed show. Um, you've been on a couple of times. So you've been on the live shows. Done the live shows. And I think I did it twice. Yeah. Right? Maybe. Maybe once, only green track suit. Green track suit. Yeah. That's you remember like, what you wore. I remember outfits. Yeah. And that's why I wore today for this podcast recording, I specifically wore this witch's shirt. It does say famous witches. Yeah. And it has pictures of famous witches. Cher. (laughs) Uh, Marsha P. Johnson, um, Frida. It's beautiful. Stevie Nicks. I wore pajamas just to stay in the vein of the unemployed show. When you're unemployed, you wear pajamas. You wear pajamas, but... You're not unemployed anymore. No, I'm a little employed. Can we talk about? We can. Can yeah. I lead this conversation? Sure, please. <laughs> yeah. No, it's weird. I mean, I'm still freelance. Uh-huh. So that's why I still identify with so many unemployed people in mm-hmm. terms of benefits, mm-hmm. right? That's a word that like I get now, why it's called benefit. It's a benefit. Because it is a benefit. Sure. So I wanted to talk about jobs, obviously, and being Love unemployed. It. Also, even though you're very employed too now. You're- now I'm employed, but I also am a freelance. I am a freelancer, so there are months of my life currently that are unemployed. Right. I mean, but you're also you get this job, you get a great job, and mm-hmm. it's for what a week, a month, six weeks, and mm-hmm. then what? And then you're unemployed again. And you feel I'm, unemployed again. I'm unemployed. I'm eating cereal. Yeah. So what is like the best? I, I want to know what the first job you ever had was. Oh my god. Okay. First when you job. were like, I'm ready to be employed. I'm like there. You know what's funny? Ever since I was like a like an early teen, like listening to Christina Aguilera's I Am Beautiful, mm-hmm. I'm like, I love to work. I'm like, the bitch loves to work. <laughs> and I remember getting a job at like 15 in my town in Katona up in Westchester. I walked into an ice cream store called Scoops. And this lady, Judy, behind the counter was like, can I help you? And I was like, hey, Jude. I was like, babe. <laughs> I'd love to scoop for you. <laughs> wow. Like, okay. And then <laughs> I got the job. I think I made like, you know, maybe seven bucks an hour, an hour, but it was all cash, which was amazing. Right. Um, Did you spend it on ice cream or were you allowed to eat that for free? Oh, I basically put them out of business eating yeah. the ice cream for free. <laughs> I had so much ice cream, which was problematic for my body. Usually people get sick of it when they work in restaurant. Not no, me. No, you were good. No. There was there was a flavor called piece of cake ice cream which was so 
good. It tasted not like cake batter. It was piece of cake. It was called piece of cake, but it tasted like cake batter. Okay. And it was it like it had the color of like this isn't good for my body. Like it was right. like a bright yellow. Anything <laughs> that's bright yellow, I feel like you shouldn't be bright eating. Blue, yeah. Bright blue, yeah. Yeah. Um it's like it had like the Mountain Dew color energy. You know, you mm. pour a Mountain Dew and you're like, this shouldn't go in my body. Right. That that's was the color of this this ice cream. But it's so good. So is Mountain Dew. So good. And Mountain Dew is so good. <laughs> <laughs> We're sick. <laughs> Anyway, so that was my first. That was my first job. So you got the bite. You you were like, I like working. I like making money, having cash. That's my own. Totally, early. it felt empowering to like go to the mall with my gals. Yeah. and be like, I'm gonna go and structure and buy a button down shirt for myself. <laughs> like that felt cool to me, and right. not be like put it on my parents' credit card because that was also always an option for me. Like hashtag privilege, but I I liked the idea of your being parents like, gave you their credit card and they're like Hundo go pay. for it. Hundo pay. I never had my parents' credit card. I would assume you did. No. <laughs> My mom would give me like $20 and be like, good luck at the mall. And I'm like, mom, nothing costs $20 anemore. <laughs> I could barely eat. <laughs> you're like, Ugg boots are so much more than 20. Yeah. But she's like, I'll buy you stuff when we go together. Like if you're going with your friends, like good luck. I never had a credit card or access to one. You know what I'm thinking back? I think maybe part of the reason I had the credit card was because I went to high school in the city. Mm. And I think it was kind of like a like... Oh, if something were to go wrong, you have our he credit needs. card. But I used it. I used to like go to Club Monaco in the mall. <laughs> and me. just like shop. I bought a pea coat and like a really cute cashmere sweater at Club Monaco. I remember I was 16. My mom called me into the kitchen. Oh it was one of those like bad moments. She was like, Michael, Michael Gordon Kelton, come in the kitchen. And I was like, okay, something's wrong. I walk in the kitchen. And she goes, and I was going to the school in the city and like there were some nights where they didn't know. I like stayed at friends' places in the city and we were going to clubs actually, <laughs> right? which is the real thing. We were sneaking into clubs, but my mom didn't know this. So she sits me down and she like sitting across from me, a la like CSI. And she's like, like when they interrogate. Um, <laughs> and she goes, I have a question for you, Michael. You spent $300 at a club, the Club Monaco in the city. What are you buying? Oh my God. And I was like, oh my God, mom. I was like, those aren't drinks. There's a pea coat and a cashmere sweater. <laughs> and it's she's a like, she thought it was a club. God bless your mom. I know. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And she was like, show me the coat. <laughs> Cute. Oh, so she was fine with it. She was pretty fine with it. Wow. Yeah. She just didn't want me spending that on drinks. When I was younger, my mom would take us shopping or she'd shop for herself and then mm -hmm. hide the bags in the trunk. And be like, and we'd be like, why are you hiding them in the trunk? We're going in the house now. And she'd be like, you know, I just want to wait until your father goes to sleep. <laughs> and we're like, what's wrong? <laughs> They're still married, but you know, we that were like. That is my favorite dynamic, like hiding things that you purchased like, for your kids. He doesn't need to know what, what's there, you know. The credit card bill will come and we'll pay it. Right. And he won't know <clears throat> what it was And for. she had her separate, her separate cards too, but she just didn't want him to see like what she spends her money on. <laughs> We're like, Dad, she paid off her Bergdorf's card like 40 years after the fact. <laughs> he doesn't that's know. so funny. He doesn't get it. Yeah, what he, he doesn't need to know, mm -mm. you know? And that's how she felt. And that was what we learned. We're like, you know, of course my young, I'm the oldest. So that's the mm -hmm. other dynamic I oh, think that's different. Is like, they were like, well, he's our baby. Cause aren't uh -huh. you the young, you're I'm the, the younger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're like, give him a credit card. What yeah. if he gets like stolen? Yeah. They're <laughs> like, we have to protect. Yeah. And I was in the city like, actually sneaking into clubs and being like, I'm fine. Right. I'm wearing a pea coat. So. <laughs> Did your parents want you to have jobs growing up? Were they like, no, it's they, important to work? They actively, my dad was like, I don't know why you're doing this and not spending time doing other things. And I was like, I like working. 
I love. Oh, he didn't want you to work at the ice cream store. No, I th- I don't know what it was actually because my brother my brother never worked. I mean, he caddied like a couple weekends throughout high school at like a golf club in Westchester, mm. which was just like rite of passage for like hegemonic dominating heterosexual <laughs> males. You know what I mean? Like there's like I'm a caddy, you know, and I make two hundred dollars a day. Right. Um. But I guess my dad didn't want me. But I was I loved the idea of feeling like self sufficient. Did you work in college? I did work in college. <laughs> I did. Um, so my sophomore year of college, I got a job lifeguarding at the CCRB, which was like the recreation center and the gym and pool. And so I was the new lifeguard there. So I got the worst shift, which was the morning shift, two days a week, oh 5 a.m. to 1130. And, and then you'd go to class. And then I would go to class. I didn't mind it because I didn't sleep at all in college. I feel like I was either like partying or studying. So I, I would always have like three hours of sleep in college. It was like and one or the other. It was I- one or the other. <laughs> and it was like fine. I was like, that's like what was fun. And I was 19 and like my body could handle absolutely anything. <laughs> like, when I think Don't about you- hangovers as an adult, I'm like, I'm crippled and I can't move. Yeah, for but like three days. <laughs> 100%. But when I'm 19, I literally could take like seven shots and be like, wake up and be like, do you guys want to go skating? <laughs> like, what was I thinking? Yeah, you're still drunk and you're like, BRB guys, I gotta go lifeguard for five hours. <laughs> exactly. Let me like, let me be in charge of people's lives. Um, anyway, so I did this lifeguarding job for a full semester and this lady, I don't remember her name, but she was like in charge of the finances for the school. Judy. And she, Judy, Judy, <laughs> scoops. Judy who owns Scoops yeah, came yeah. and was like, Mike, get me your W-2 because I think all my other jobs had been cash, like working at the ice cream yeah. stores. So she was like, I need your W-2. And I had no idea what the fuck she was talking about. (laughs) And it was like early in the stages of like researching stuff online. We didn't like have a phone or we could just be like, what's a W-2? Hey Siri, what's a W-2? And so I was just so dumb and confused by it that I never looked it up. I never gave my W-2 and I never got paid for a full semester of lifeguarding Mike, at college. You're owed so much money. Not that much though. <laughs> like it's like. In, Do you even know what you were supposed to make? No. <laughs> <laughs> like was no. it an hourly position? It was an hourly position. Like what lifeguarding is usually like maybe like nine or ten bucks an hour. Oh my god. Maybe. T- I can't believe you you got none of that. None of it. <laughs> And that's why the University of Michigan is a thriving public university. Oh my god! Because they they took that like two thousand dollars and they took it to the bank. Oh my god! In a way, I'm a donor to the school. You are. <laughs> you are. <laughs> they keep asking me for money as an alumni, and I'm like, no, bitch. Like, like, remember that lifeguarding <laughs> summer or semester? Oh I've my already god. donated. Wait, that's so insane to me. Did you tell your parents that? No. <laughs> no, I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah, just you know what it thing. is now. Have you have you signed a W two now? Do you know what it is now? Yes, but now I do ten ninety nine because oh, I'm freelance. There you go. And I'm an L- LLC. LLC. LLC, bitch. babe. Yeah. Are you an LLC? Quickie Fest LLC Ooh. is now an LLC. I'm not, but I should be. You should get. So I don't know if you'll use this, but you should be getting paid through your LLC for HQ. I should. You a hundred percent should, because mm. then you can write. Absolutely everything off. Mm. Any Uber, any food is catering. And now the IRS is going <laughs> to destroy me. But that's truly what it is. Like this, anything you, the Diet Coke you got for me, you can write that off because it's catering for your um, production. Production. This, my life is a production. I mean, I've turned, we've turned lives into production. Your life is a production. Yeah. And that's beautiful. Thank you so much. You're welcome. 
I mean, I feel like whenever we connect, we, you and I have had these jobs, like mm-hmm. the, we've, we've been uh, W2'd before. hundred. Where we've had these like full-time jobs that paid us really well, mm-hmm. great perks. And then we like went from like a hundred to zero. Mm-hmm. And we're like, wait, my life, I, my <laughs> lifestyle didn't change, but like, where's my money coming from? Where's my money? You know that phrase, if, if you leap, the universe will catch you. Yeah. I think if you leap, the universe will let you fall and figure it out. Right. <laughs> like, it's like, they will not catch you. It is you. true. Yeah. So wait, fast forward to out of college. You had, did you have, you were acting, obviously you moved to New York to act mm-hmm. and you had some jobs, right? I did some musical theater. I did the National Tour of Hairspray. Congratulations. Thank you. Amazing show. Thank you Huge so much. Fan. Love it. It's actually coming back. The tour is coming back. What? Wow. You going out for it? Um, I'll think about it. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I've grown into a pretty good Corny Collins, I would say. You could reprise this role. I could. I understudy Corny Collins, so... Mm. Um, but no, I absolutely will not do that. I'd rather die. Um, <laughs> so, not me. I'd go on tour with hairspray. You would. Mm. You would be a really good penny. Oh my god! Thanks, dream role. You would be an amazing dream. penny. Dream. It's just the glasses. But thank you so much. No, I. I think you would be an. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. You'd be an amazing Bro- penny. We're filming this, so the Broadway producers will see it and think exactly. I can just see you being like. In my ivory tower, I was just, just a hostess snack. But now, now I've tasted chocolate, chocolate and I'm never going back. Thank you. That was a little racist, but thank you. Yeah, I guess that show. No. No, it's good. It's I think good. I could do it. I studied the album forever. I love that you studied the album. I mean, <laughs> if you read my old journal entries, they're like, hey guys, it's me. Like, just listening to Hairspray, you know? <laughs> Same, honestly. Honestly, I would like work out to Hairspray yeah, music. I still do. On the treadmill, just without love. Yeah. You can't stop the beat. Oh, great song uh, to work out to. Amazing song. Okay, so you're so I doing did, Hairspray. I did, I did Hairspray and then I got my equity card doing hairspray at Theater Under the Stars in Houston. Whoa. Wow, thank you. Hairspray really carried you through to this adulthood. They were like, he looks like he should be in this show. Yeah. He can't technically dance it, but he looks like he should be in it. (laughs) But he's cute, he's white, he's talented, he's he's got the He's the nicest kid in town. Like, I fit that mold, I think, 100%. Yeah. And so I did it, got my equity card, and then, um, and I think I I realized, I, I mean, not that I, like, did a bunch of theater because like people do it for years and can experience like what being on Broadway is like. Yeah. But I I just like, I was trying to film videos backstage with friends and like make like a YouTube channel of like me on tour. And I like, got so much more joy out of doing that and like writing garage band songs and kind of creating a uh, hashtag content. And <laughs> I loved it so much that I was like, oh, like this is bringing me so much more joy than the actual doing a theater production, which is unfortunate yeah. because I spent four years getting my BFA. Um, in theater. In theater. Which in you also theater. think I have all the time. You always thought you I have had. have a BFA. No. I I'm going to say it now. You have a BFA. <laughs> I'm an honorary BFA. No, you, you have always, a BFA? Mike always thinks two things about me. You always think I have a BFA in musical theater, which I do not. And you think I'm from Long Island, which I am not. But Okay, we'll say you do have Long in Island In another energy. lifetime, maybe I have a BFA in musical theater and I'm from Great Neck, New York. What's <laughs> so weird. You have I'm Long from Island? Philadelphia. Okay, which is also Long Island. Sure. <laughs> like, Philly has Far Long Island from. energy. I will say though, anyone listening, the main- Philly... Has Long Island energy. The main line does. Yes, that's where I'm from. The main line. Have you heard of the main line? I haven't been on. (laughs) 
the main line. It's like where the, you know, the 16 year old kids with Audis roam. Totally. You know what I mean? And like. And I also think Westchester has Long Island energy. Yes, 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 yes. I think like but, Philly, Long Island, Westchester is like a similar type of energy. I think the religion you're looking for is Jap. I think that's the energy. 100%. Jap 100%. energy. Even mm-hmm. though you're not Jewish, you you get that Jap energy. Oh, I've been to 12 bar and bat mitzvahs. 12? 12. Wow. Congratulations. Slayed. Like best time of my life. <laughs> yeah. Literally cut to me dancing with a grandma yeah. and her being like, he's so adorable. We were all Paris Hilton in seventh grade, I think. A hundred percent. It was like you're booked every weekend. Uh-huh. Every weekend a party. We were booked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget where we were talking about. We were talking I about. I think you have a BFA. I don't have a BFA. I have a BS, a bachelor in science and television production. Do you think the term BS is BS? Is BS. Like, don't you think they should have been like, Let's think of another way to phrase this. Yeah, for sure. It's embarrassing to be like, I have a BS in TV. They're like, yeah, of course. (laughs) Who studies TV? (laughs) What? And I'm like, no, I swear I had a producing class and writing classes and like unscripted, scripted. Did you have any of that stuff? Yeah, all of it. That was what I majored in. That's amazing. So it was like, I graduated with like a Curb Your Enthusiasm spec script, an Ugly Betty spec script. And a dream and content. I shot lots of content. You know, some was like more serious. I was like, I could be a filmmaker. I could film like, uh-huh. you know, a homeless, like, like, like scene in Boston, Careful. in the cities of Boston. No, I did like this like black and white, like, like film where I was like a homeless person, like finds, I drop money on the ground. They find the money and then they want to give it back to you. I was like, I don't know where oh my, my brain was. I you was were like, Mark and Rent. I was literally Mark and Rent. <laughs> I was just walking around with my camera like, ooh, this is such a beautiful scene. Look at the way the leaves are falling on the ground. Um, but I never took a film course, so. Oh. <laughs> but also you have, all, you have all those skills. Like you're one of those people that I admire for your production, like, your production. Thank you. Well, life, my life is a production. Well, you are. You you do so many things. And I think that is like admirable. So and do you. Thank you. You do. <laughs> no, we we both are. But I like, I look up to you and I think you, you do a lot of really cool things. Like even this setup in your apartment, every time I've showed up to do like unemployed show, you just like have it together and it's amazing. That's Brian. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> Brian has it together. Brian. So you graduate with a BFA, you come here, you do hairspray in 14 different productions mm-hmm. and you're like and then you start making YouTube videos which uh-huh. don't make you any money. When no were you money. like I'm not going to be doing theater professionally? Um, or like did you ever have that like Yeah. That feeling like oh my god, did I waste 4 years totally. of my life studying something I really don't think I'm going to do professionally? When I was on the road and I was like making stuff, making videos with this like weird camera in 2010. And I was like, uh, this, this is bad. I was like, this is bad. But also I was excited because I loved making weird videos. Yeah. So I had that moment. And then, you know, as you do when you just kind of like let life take you where it does, I ended up auditioning for that, you know, equity production. I was like, oh, that's cool. That'd be cool to get my equity card. And so I did that. And then, and then when I did that, I was like, uh, yeah. This is not, I don't want to be doing this. I don't like getting on stage and dancing around and singing. And like, there's a picture. Like, you do that every night anyway. You're right. <laughs> and it's, yeah, you're right. It's all, it's Don't actually, let your fans down. <laughs> it's actually for Instagram story. So yeah. I had a, sh- a show last night, uh, What I Did for Love, and I ended up doing a full on tap number mm. where I was talking about, I can't remember, but it was like an improvised tap number. And it was, 
and it fucking crushed. And the audience like, yes, a gay guy dancing. We love this. <laughs> this is so New York City. <laughs> Happy to oblige. <laughs> <laughs> but you found yourself in comedy, which- Totally. Pays all the bills. Oh my God. There's so much money <laughs> just so coming crazy. in. <laughs> Every night it's like, how do you pick which basement to go to? Exactly. They're going to pay you all the money. All the money. And it goes right into that Venmo account. <laughs> right into my socks and my bonds at Merrill Lynch and Morgan Stanley. I gotcha. That's why you started the LLC. You got to have an LLC. Yeah. But yeah, I decided, I, I, I felt just more um, authentic doing comedy and kind of like storytelling. And I remember the moment, this is kind of interesting. So when I came back to the city and decided I didn't want to do theater anymore, mm-hmm. I started working at a gym, David Parton Gym, the mm. gayest gym in America, which was perfect because I was the gayest person in America. <laughs> and I was like, well, what were you things. doing at the gym? I started working at the front desk and quickly got promoted to the scheduler for wow. the um, personal trainers. And I had this little desk. Those and were separate like, jobs. <laughs> separate jobs, if you can believe. Yeah. It was like this weird desk in the lobby. Like, and people were just like kind of drying off and like coming and seeing the space. And you were like sitting next to strangers and being like, hey, like, do you want to work with Tim? He's a trainer. And they were like, okay. <laughs> and you're like, he has a 3 p.m. Thank you. Bye. It, literally, exactly. And I was like, wow. send you a Cal invite. So I did that for a couple months. And then there were sales positions at the gym, like, like gym sales, which I didn't know was a thing. And one of the gym salespeople, her name is Ashley, and we're still friends. She's amazing, lives in Pittsburgh, has literally 100 children now. Um, but she, she was like, you should do sales for the gym. And as like, I'm just a person who like let, lets life happen, I was like, okay, I love it, whatever. <laughs> and so I just like started doing sales, like a hybrid position of like I would schedule some days and then do sales, which basically means when people come into the gym and they're interested, you just tour them around the gym and talk to them about fitness. And then you like try and convince them to sign up. Mm-hmm. And if you hit a certain number of new members a month, you make a good amount of money. Yeah. Like a good amount of money. And so I started doing it. I had no stakes. I was like, whatever. And in seven months, this is probably the most money I've ever, no. I made, in seven months, I made $90,000. Holy shit. And mm-hmm. how old were you? Like 24. Oh my God. It was psycho. And all of your friends were auditioning for theater and like being waiters and waitresses. Mm-hmm. And you were selling. I was going to Barney's and buying Mark Jacob bags. Holy shit. Mark Jacob bags. Yep. I didn't know you were uh, this huge salesperson. I know. <laughs> I know. Before. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. It was cool. I like, I loved, I loved doing it. Yeah. But I had this scary moment where like, one day I was like, I was also selling makes you high. The like in when you sell someone something and you're like making money, it's a certain type of high. Yeah. And it became like a weird addiction for me. And I would sell like training memberships, which were super expensive. Like there was a year training membership at the gym that was uh, $12,000 for the year, broken down into eight payments of 16 something. And whoa. And you would convince people like, because these people, people spend a lot of money on trainers sure. in the city. And it came down to like 80 bucks a session, which is actually cheaper. Same like selling, you know, which is actually I know, cheaper. Like, Should I join a yeah. gym? <laughs> Should I buy a trainer? Should I pay $12,000 okay, a production year? Production over. I got to put my money <laughs> elsewhere. <laughs> so it, it was like easy for me because I also worked out with a trainer and I was like in the best shape of my life. Wow. And I was just like, this trainer is amazing. And 
And then I had this moment where this woman, I'll never forget this. This woman, Jen Petresky, came in. She lived in Jersey and she was a VP at Condé Nast. And she was in my office and talking about working with a trainer. And then I sold her a membership and I had her sign the papers. And she asked me what I went to school for. And I told her theater. And then she goes, what do you, what else do you do? And I was like, I'm an actor, but like, you know, doing this for now. Yeah. And she goes, you need to quit this job. She was like, you're way too good at this. And she's like, unless you want to be a salesperson, you'll end up being a salesperson the rest of your life. You need to quit this job. And then... I quit the job. Right away. <laughs> right away. I listened to her. Oh I like God. love strangers and I'm like, I was like, it also like it hit a chord in me and I was like, you're right, Jen Petresky. I was like, you're 100% right. <laughs> you ripped up her membership and walked out. Mm-hmm. I need to find this woman and be like, thank you. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. So then what? Then you went to act, you were unemployed. Then I was unemployed and then I was, and I made so much money. I like had Money and savings. Saved. Yeah. So like six months later, I was just auditioning and like not booking anything, taking Barry's boot camp classes and just like living my life eating yeah. sm- smoothies, drinking smoothies. And then one day I got an email from one of my past clients at the gym, Lauren, who was a lawyer. Your and boss. I just thought she was like a lawyer in the yeah. city. And she emails me and she's like, Hey, I'm looking for a personal assistant. You had mentioned that you knew you had friends who did this. And I wrote her back immediately. I was like, um, I don't know if this would work out, but I could do it. Right. Like I'm doing nothing right now. And if it could be part-time, I would love it. So then I meet with her a week later and I realize she owns a law firm. Like she's not a lawyer. She like owns a corporate law firm in <laughs> Chelsea with like a huge loft office. And I was shook. I was like, you're a fucking boss ass bitch. Right. You're a girl boss. <laughs> I was like, amazing. And so then... She hired me and then that snowballed and I got stuck in that job. Yeah. I, keep, I kept getting like stuck in things. That Always. Like I think right. so many people, I mean, that's what this, what I want to do this podcast for. I think a lot of people feel very stuck in their jobs because you're comfortable. You're making mm-hmm. money. You're living your life a certain way and you're comfortable. Are you happy 10 hours out of the day? Maybe no. not. Maybe not. You're waiting not. for yeah. it all to end. I don't know why I said 10 hours. Do people work eight hours, 10 hours? What is it? More? It's like... Whatever. A nine, what's a nine to five? Eight 10, hours. 11, 12. Okay, so <laughs> we'll say eight hours. Eight hours plus a little lunch break, whatever. But I do think people, that's like, like people are so, I mean, unemployment is one thing. It's like if you lose your job unwillingly, mm-hmm. yes, that sucks and it's awful and it's scary and we've all been there. But also like so many people are employed, but they're so unhappy. And it's 100%. like unemployment it's like almost better, like you said, when you were like, she told me I should leave here, I'm going to walk away. I'm going to mm-hmm. walk away from this $90,000 job in mm-hmm. seven months. Mm-hmm. Like, holy shit, I'm 24 years old and I'm like richer than people 10 years older than me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I became obsessed with the money. Like, I just became obsessed with the money. I was yeah. like obsessed with making money and that I knew that in my core, that was not me. Like, and now I'm I'm 32, like, you know, almost a decade later, and I sometimes worry about money. Like when I'm uh, when I'm out of work, I'm like, wait. I oh always shit. worry about money, even it's, when I know I have work. I'm yeah. like, I'm still worried. Like I don't know, totally, because those times are so hard. Like you you've hit the wall of real. Like you're not, you and know. it feels embarrassing. It's like a you know not a 22 year old to be like, uh oh, like where's my next paycheck coming from? Yeah, it's scary. But at the same time, I know that like. I know that what I'm doing now is bringing me so much more joy yeah. than like 
selling someone a gym membership. Right. Or like setting up someone's lunches with like another lawyer. Right. Have you ever done anything like in those periods of unemployment, have you ever done anything super weird to make money because you're like, I got to pay my rent. I'll do anything right now. I'm thinking back to like when I first moved to the city, like the weirdest job I had was I worked for a catering company called Model Bartenders, which is so problematic. Um, Were you a model I, I was bartender? Not, I was a model. I was a model bartender, and I they called me that they were like, "We have this one promo job for you," and I was like, "Okay, whatever." They're like, "Just meet at Grand Central." They didn't tell you what at, it was for. Oh, okay. Meet at Grand Central, but. You know, I was 22 and they were like, it's going to be, it'll be $350, I think it was, for like a couple hours. And I was like, that's amazing. amazing. Like my rent at the time was 800 a month. So I was like, this is almost half my rent for the month, of course. Yeah. And so I showed up to Grand Central. Granted, like I grew up in Westchester. So all of my friends' parents take the Metro North into work. Like yeah. it's a commuting town I grew up in. And so... I show up at Grand Central at 5 a.m. And then the like head of this catering company gives me a robe and says, <coughs> put this robe on. Get into your underwear. What? Put this robe on. So I was wearing sneakers, like boxer briefs, a white robe, passing out like lottery tickets, but it was like a promo for Atlantic City. Yeah. And... So like my sh- my chest is out. It's like springtime. It's kind of chilly. I'm wearing a fucking robe in Grand Central, right at the exit of Grand Central. <laughs> so like, I'm standing there from five a.m. to like noon. I saw all of my friends' parents. They were all like, <laughs> "Mike, how are you? Like, are you okay? What are you? Yeah, what are you up to?" And I'm like, "Hi, you know, just here's a promo for Atlantic City. Good to see you. Have a good day." <laughs> like. It was so embarrassing. Oh my God. And it might not have been as embarrassing for like if I grew up in Ohio, you know, and like I didn't see anyone I knew. And it was just like, I'm a a model bartender, you know. I used to feel that way in restaurants I worked at. Like I would have camp friends who grew up very wealthy in Manhattan Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they'd come into this fancy steakhouse I was working in and be like, oh, I'm like, I'm eating here with like my family. And they were so surprised to see that, like, mm-hmm. I was working in a restaurant. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, well, I, I don't, I have to pay my rent. This mm-hmm. is how I'm making money this right now. This is how now. I do it. Yeah. yeah. And it was so just like, I hated that feeling. Like, I try and avoid people too, or like, keep yeah. my head down and just be like, oh, I don't want to see them. I don't want to have to be like, totally. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I, this is where, because I wasn't even, I wasn't embarrassed about working there. Like, I liked of course, my restaurant yeah. job for the most part. Like, I was good at that. And it there's nothing wrong money. with doing those jobs. It's like totally, valuable and but, respectable. But you get it. You get where like these people are now just because of where we are right now, they're above you and they're 100%. judging you. And, ugh, I and for some that. reason I put so much pressure on myself when like I would see a friend from Westchester or like even a friend I went to theater school with that like had a job or was like, you know, I'm working at a marketing agency and I would be like, oh my God, that is amazing cut to like them actually working in this like shitty marketing agency not making enough money and being miserable doing like an ad for like Chobani or something but it sounded fancy it sounded amazing anything they said sounded amazing to me yeah because I was like what I'm doing is so embarrassing (laughs) I'm in a robe (laughs) you're in a robe in Grand Central of all places I'm in a robe in Grand Central 
I mean, so. Mike, honestly, you've also been in like, you know, full on like animal suits in Washington Square I mean, Park. Like, to, <laughs> I thought you were going to uh, say that. I'm like, oh my God, cut to me like actually jobs. making money as a performer was me doing a Facebook Live series for MTV where I literally dressed up as animals for like two years and danced to like, like clearable twerking music <laughs> on like Jingle Punks. Yeah. Is what, is, is how I, is how I make my money. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. It was so fun. And, you know, so easy, na- came natural to you. Like a billion people would be like, I want that job. Totally. And for the amount of money I made, it was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> like, it was a lot of money. I kept doing it. I probably did it. TBH. I did it a year past when I wanted to do it. A hundred percent. I remember like running into you and you're like, oh, I got to go do a live today. I just don't want to. <laughs> Didn't, I mean, there's only so much like being on the streets in Washington Square Park, like going yeah. up to people and being like, do you want to dance? Like <laughs> there's only so much of that a human can handle. And I did it a year, like when I first started, I was obsessed with it and it truly brings me joy. But then the second year it was like, what costume can we get? Like what national holiday is it? It was like, but it was too much, it was too much money for, an, it was like literally an hour of work a week. It would be fucking crazy of me to be like, you know, Spiritually, I'm in a place where this doesn't serve me anymore. It just would be so crazy. I mean, you hired me to do some of them. I did like two of them. And I love doing them. I got to be honest, they were during my big unemployed stretch. So, like any job like that, where I'm like, what is this? I get to perform and make $50 in one hour. Totally. In. Totally. (laughs) Count me in. And that always pissed me off. Like, I always felt like you, the guest, should have made like at least a couple hundred bucks doing Mm. that. Because it's fucking MTV. Like they have the money. They waste so much money on things that no one watches. And my videos would get a lot Your of Your videos did really well. Did really well? You mm-hmm. did very well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it wasn't even the money. It was just the principle of being paid to like come in and do something fun. Totally. You were like, oh, I'm an actor today. Totally. I have a job. <laughs> yeah. Just to feel like you're doing something is yeah. like amazing. Yeah. And on like a big platform like that is really Huge. cool. Yeah. How does it feel now? Like what does it feel like now doing HQ? I mean, it's, it's, it's funny. It's, it's an amazing thing I get to do to go live. I mean, you get it. You've done it in front of hundreds of thousands of people mm-hmm. every night. Mm-hmm. Um, you have like a new connection with people. I don't know. And I was live for so long in mm-hmm. my apartment that I feel like it's not that different from me. Like totally. I got obsessed with myself, mm-hmm. like staring into a camera being like, you're with me. You're my best friend. <laughs> I'm a, I love you. And now I get to do that, but they get to win money. <laughs> like they're making totally. money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm I'm this important to what you're really here for, but like we're going to have fun anyway. Um, but also it doesn't like, it's interesting. I think that people do form a connection. Like you, yeah. you, your audience is growing and people dig you and get to see you kind of do your thing and write jokes and, and yeah. perform jokes. So it's, it is a cool, but it it's is, like a cool space. It's very cool. It is also a job. And I think that was very hard for me at first to kind of get used to. I was like, Oh my God, like I was so excited just to have like a gig where I get to be live in front of mm-hmm. a real audience. And then I was like, okay, but also this is this is a game show. This mm-hmm. is something that is produced by so many people, mm-hmm. not just me. I can totally. throw in a joke here and there, but I also have like a job to do. Totally. Which I I've gotten very good at prompters mm-hmm. and very good at like improvising off the cuff. And like you never know, mm-hmm. you know what anything can happen live mm-hmm. and like you know, there's a glitch and you have to be able to like be funny, but like, totally. you know, keep people calm. And But also I don't not know. like say something that's going to lose your audience yeah. or like, you know, that is a, that's like a really good skill. Yeah. And also the prompter 
skill is an amazing one to have. Yeah. Because what you don't realize is a lot of people think hosting is so easy and then you get them in front of a prompter to speak and they are psychos. Yeah. Yeah. They sound like robots and it's weird. So like that is an amazing skill. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, you have it too. You've done a billion prompters. It's just like, I don't know. You you find your, you. it's hard to, like you don't want to sound like a robot. So you put mm-hmm. so much of your personality, I think, into it where you're like, nope, this is how I talk. Mm-hmm. Sure, I'm reading something, but you won't know because totally. I'm going to talk this way even when I'm not reading something. Totally. I'm like, I don't know. It's, it's, I love it. I'm so, I'm blessed it's amazing. to have it. It's I've a, loved watching you do it and kind of like grow into it. Thank you. It's really cool. Thank you. And I also think like in a way, I'm, I'm a big believer in like manifesting. And so I think you doing Unemployed Show was you manifesting this job. Yeah, I think so. It I was really like, do. I'm putting all this energy into doing a live show and yeah. talking to people and bringing people joy and being real. And then, the universe was like, she's already doing it. So like, this makes sense. So That's I think it's really I cool. That's why I had a witch on my first, on this episode of The Unemployed Show. Thank I was you. like, he knows that I am, this is what I was supposed to do. But I, aside from like HQ or whatever, I just, obviously there were two years of my life where I was doing mm-hmm. anything for money. Mm-hmm. And you've had that, how long was your period after the law firm? I know you, we've talked about this before. You- after the law firm. Where you were let go, right? Is that what we call oh, it? Oh, I was five, babe. Five? <laughs> I was fired. No. And you know what? In a way, I don't trust anyone that hasn't been fired from a job. <laughs> I was fired from my my last restaurant job. Good. Makes me trust you more. Oh, I wanted to tell you this before. You know how you, you were me. like, Jen told you to quit the sales job? Uh-huh. Jen Petrusky. I, in my brain, like I used to work, so I worked in fine dining restaurants uh-huh. for like seven years. And there were a lot of people there who I thought were so great and funny and talented. And they moved uh-huh. to New York to be an actor, and they but they got comfortable at uh-huh. their serving job. And they were like now like 30, 35 years old. And uh-huh. they made good money. They were able to like maybe buy an apartment, whatever. Uh-huh. And And I just remember being like, I can't get comfortable. Mm-hmm. I have to quit this mm-hmm. job by 25. I will not work in a mm-hmm. restaurant after the age of 25. I said this out loud. And two weeks before my 26th birthday, I got the assistant job at the like venture firm uh. and I quit. And I was like, I can't work here anymore. I can't work at night anymore. I can't do restaurants anymore. <laughs> you manifested. I did. You, you spoke it to the Yoon. You but like listened. it happened. Like I kept uh-huh. saying, I kept telling myself, nope, you're turning 25. You have uh-huh. to, there ha- even if you have to quit, you uh-huh. have to quit. And my parents were like, no one quits without another job. Yeah. And I was like, I might have to. You might like, have to. So how did you get fired? They just were angry that I quit. And so they were like, we don't need you for the next two weeks. And I was like, oh, so you what? quit, but you were, I guess it was like, I gave notice and then they're like, fired. you can go now. And I was like, fuck you. Amazing. Keep that energy. <laughs> Hold on to that. Fuck you. But then That's I got the beautiful. assistant job and I'm like, oh, by 30, you're done. You're <laughs> out of here. And then that happened a little earlier. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. You're like, by 40, I will not be hosting right. live game shows. <laughs> <laughs> well, I used to say by 27, I will obviously be at the Emmys. Like I had these I like know. bizarro goals in my head. Isn't Did that you weird? have those? Of course. Do you think that we were like trained, like be- we were-, were the same age, which uh-huh. is 27? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You did say our age before, and I was like, please don't. We can edit. We can edit these. These aren't live. No, we're 32. Anna and me are we're 32. 23. You should know that we are 32, not we were born 31. in 1993. 1987, that's a year. But don't you think, I mean, at least growing up, you got a BFA in acting. We were told, 
you do what you're gonna work in whatever you want to work in. Probably like, by 25. You're gonna be TV show a by 30. star uh-huh. if that's what you want to be. You're gonna be a star, and then like it doesn't. It didn't happen as fast or like easy. As it I never wanted. does. If you're if you're listening to this and you're in your early 20s and you have these like goals of like by this time I will have done this. Yeah. That won't happen. And if it does, I bet you're going to hate it. <laughs> I bet it will be miserable. <laughs> Don't you think our parents' generation though, like they were told like, these are the jobs that make money. You can go to school for them and then you will make money and good luck. And and I mean, so they the, did. They yeah. didn't necessarily follow. Their, my dad's miserable and mm-hmm. he's a lawyer and he. Same. I think he wishes that like he could have done things he wanted to do. He has all these other things he likes in his life. My dad but- is miserable. He's a lawyer. He gets so much joy out of like going to flea markets and like <laughs> uh, decorating houses and like he's just... He wishes he wouldn't have done this. But like, unfortunately for our parents' generation, they were, it was easier because the population was much smaller in America at that time. But it was very much a funnel of like, go to school, get a degree, get a secure job. It was all about the insurance generation Mm -hmm. because they were raised in an environment of fear because their parents lived through the Great Depression. So they were like, do anything for security because you never know when the stock market market will crash and we'll all die. Right. We'll be living in huts. So they prioritize stability. And now that our parents were stable, we're prioritizing joy, right. which is why we're here right now. <laughs> in my kitchen joy. recording a podcast. We do not have insurance <laughs> or pensions, but we're joyful. <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's very weird because I think like we grew we did grow up yes at least I'm talking about like my circle of people we grew up privileged but then you hit a point where you're like wait I'm unemployed how I'm gonna do anything to make fifty dollars this morning mm-hmm. <laughs> like literally anything I will literally do anything yeah you throw your shame in the toilet yeah mm-hmm. but you've also said to me and you've said it on the unemployed show and I know because we cut it out and used it in our reel. Obsessed. That you said your period of unemployment mm-hmm. was the happiest time of your life. And I 100% agree with that. I How? Because I, I it, for me, was, I, I learned that I'm a person who can wake up at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. and sweat and stress and pray that I will fall back asleep because mm-hmm. I don't have to be up till 9 a.m. But that's mm-hmm. like my moment where I'll wake up and be like, oh my God, like you're not going to be able to do anything you ever want to do again in your life. Like, you know... That makes sense to me. And I think I have had that too. And I think now as a freelancer, like with like pretty secure gig to gig things that are larger in scale that offer more of a like nominal um, prize, I would say. I, back when I was unemployed for the first time and on unemployment, I was like, I don't have many responsibilities and I love this. I was like, I'm literally pulling in like 1200 bucks a month from unemployment and I'm coaching improv, making 20 bucks an hour, 25 bucks an hour. Cash. Cash money, honey. Yeah. Um, and I paid my rent and then I like ate, you know, grilled cheeses and I made a lot of omelets and I loved it. I just was like, oh my God, like I don't have much to worry about. Right. I don't have to worry about like, I can't shop. I can't go and buy nice clothes. So once in a while, I would go to Buffalo Exchange and buy like a really cute shirt used, whatever, for like 12 bucks. And I would wear it and feel like a fucking glamazon bitch yeah. and be like, this is amazing. So like Mo Money, Mo Problems, I really think is so true. But it's inspiring. And when you said that to me, I was like, you're right. Like 
it was very hard for me to like, and, and you know, you make fun of me for being a, you know, the Jap that I am, but like, it was hard for you to be like, oh, you go on vacations. That's cool. I'll never do that again, but I'm going to watch your Instagram and I'm going to fucking live vicariously through your European summer. Like, I just was like, I don't know that I'll ever get to do these things. Uh-huh. Like, cause I was really like, what if, what In a if? place of like, what if I don't get that? I was selling all my shit. Mm-hmm. Cause I was like, oh my God, I made $400 by selling all the jewelry I ever got mm-hmm. from my bat mitzvah. <laughs> like literally sold everything. I was like, I don't need oh to. Oh my God. Tiffany's necklaces. Like, yeah. I don't care anymore. It's yeah, like, fine. What is the point of that I'd rather stuff? eat a steak later this week and feel uh-huh. like I am nourished. <laughs> but I do love cup of noodles. I love cup of noodles. I love cup of noodles. I mean, that is true. I think it's empowering to hear you say that because I think you come from a, a, a background where there is the expectation of a certain type of lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, and that kind of humor has existed forever where the, Mrs. Maisel points this out too, where like, it's like this kind of like, oh, I was raised to think that this was the idea of success. What if I flip that and, and come up with my own idea of success? Same thing with Joan Rivers comedy is like supposed to marry a rich man, move to Scarsdale, have a couple kids. And like, that's what, but joy and happiness is. But if you flip it and create your, now I sound like Eckhart Tolle or something, but like (laughs) now if you, if you create your own idea of what success is, you, you define it. And then it's much easier to achieve that and it takes the stress off yeah. of you. Yeah. I mean, it's still, I, I wasn't, it's funny. I was in therapy until I like was unemployed mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, oh God, this is when I need it most, but mm-hmm. I don't even know how to find a new therapist. Mm-hmm. And I, working out became a very good like therapy for me. Yeah, it's, it does definitely helps change your thought pattern. Yeah. And, but I was also like, I can't go to soul cycle anymore. My old job mm-hmm. paid for it. Where am I going to work out? <laughs> That's literally insane that your old job paid <laughs> for soul cycle. I know my mom used to be like, you better never lose this job. You know, she would scare <laughs> me. She'd be like, no one has uh-huh. the benefits that you have. And I'd be like, I need to leave. I was going to leave uh-huh. anyway, before I got let go. We're going to call it let go. But were you fine? Like, no, because they closed the office I managed. So okay. They got rid of it. So they were like, well, okay. we don't need you anywhere okay. else. Yeah. So kind of. Yes, you were let go. Because I got well, a severance was, package. So it was oh, that's like. that's amazing. That's why I started the unemployed show. I was like, well, I'm mm-hmm. still getting paid for a little while. And that severance really was amazing. For yeah. You. But it was like, I don't know how, how am I, I want to make content. I was like, mm-hmm. that's what I want to do. That's mm-hmm. so fun for me to turn a camera on and be like, what can we put together? Mm-hmm. But it was also like. It was scary because I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to shop. I'm not going to be able to like go to dinners anymore. Like mm-hmm. group dinners freaked me out, right? When everyone's like, yeah, let's go to dinner. Like 10 of us for so-and-so's like, yeah. birthday. And you're like, oh my God, I'm going to go and I'm going to have to pay like a hundred dollars and I'm not going to have I don't have that money anything. and then I can't pay for it. Yeah. That does still give me anxiety. Me too. When like, <laughs> like for instance, Andrew and I were invited to seven weddings this year. Oh my God. One of them is in is at a castle two hours outside of Paris. Oh, and like, wow. Andrew has a great job and makes good money, makes great money. That's and good. sometimes when I'm working, I'm making great money. But sometimes when I'm not working, I'm making no money. And right. I just can't. It was literally such a conversation between the two of us where I had to be like, babe, I'm in a place right now where I'm not sure if my show is moving forward. I cannot commit to a wedding in Paris in I the fall. It. That's going to be a couple thousand dollars. Yeah. Like this trip is going to be a couple thousand dollars. And I don't even know this person who's getting married. So like if it was your best friend, I'd be like, yes. And then it was a conversation because he was like, and rightfully so, he was like, we're in a relationship. I want to be able to like do nice things with you. And 
go to Paris and travel. And I'm like, I want that too. I'm like, I I want that too for us. Yeah. But I had to be honest. And then I, I made the decision, we made the decision to, he bought the tickets, he bought the tickets and he was like, if it's, you're in a crazy lurch, I don't even know if that's like, it's a word I know from Seussical the Musical. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're in a lurch, by the time the wedding comes. Use that BFA, baby. Oh, babe, there it is. <laughs> there it is. I can use words he from musicals. He just whips it out, um, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, lurch is insane. If you're in a lurch, it sounds so dumb. <laughs> like it literally, it sounds dumb to I say I mean, lurch. I think of Adam's family lurch, so like that's okay. where my brain went. Lurch. <clears throat> uh, if you're in a pickle, another fun word. If you're in a pickle... We, uh, he's like, I'll cancel the ticket and I'll go alone, which makes me feel so, like a bad boyfriend. But if you can afford it, you'll go. And like, I'm at a place now where, like, yes, I, my show is not announced, it's moving forward. And mm-hmm. like, I'll be able to go and like, cool. But also, if it didn't, I might have been like, not going to Paris in the fall. Right. I mean, Who you make sacrifices. Yeah. I mean, I started dating my boyfriend four months before I lost my job. Mm-hmm. And literally was like, we and should didn't probably you move into this apartment, like to this building, like a month before I left Jesus my job, Christ. two months before. But I literally was like, I should probably just not date you. I don't want to bring you down. Like uh-huh. my lifestyle is going to have to mm-hmm. suck now, you know. And I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I don't want. I was never the type of person you. to be like, take me to dinners, buy me this. Mm-hmm. Buy me. Now I do that because it's like you know we've been together three years, and it's like take me to fucking yeah. Paris, bitch. Now this is the real me. Yeah. <laughs> but, but <laughs> I'm going to suck like, you dry, bitch. <laughs> oh my god, I lost my job. Like we should probably. I literally would say to him all the time, like we should probably not be together. Mm-hmm. I'm. I'm gonna cry mm-hmm. more than I want you to see. <laughs> and that's not a good partner. Partners no. are just happy all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just a downer. And going on interviews is like a fucking downer too. Nightmare. Right? I mean, Nightmare. you've been there where you like put on your best show mm-hmm. and they are like, we're going to pay you like nothing and your life is going to suck. To do everything and your yeah. life's going to suck. And you're like, ah, oh, do I really want this? But you pretend. Like I've been on so many calls with like, in this interim before my show got picked up, I like was like on calls for different shows to like consult. And they're telling you about these shows, and I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, this sounds like an absolute, absolute nightmare. Right. But I'm like, this is really exciting for me. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> this is, this sounds right up my alley. Yeah. And I would be thrilled to work on this show. And then I hang up, and I'm like, you fucking liar. You're such a liar. And yeah. I'm like, but I need, you need the money. I need the money. Yeah. You got to work. And you're at a place right now where you are doing well in your career, where you don't want to have to go and put on a costume and yell at people in Washington Square Park. Exactly. Or do you, you know? <laughs> or is that really my heart song? <laughs> is that really where it is? <laughs> or this hairspray tour is happening to come back. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's like in the it's universe like, should again. I, should I be on a non-equity tour? <laughs> What's going on? You can't, you're equity now. I can't, I'm equity. He's and equity. I will not break that rule. There you go. I'm not a criminal. I mean, I am SAG, but I work a non-union job every day. Yeah, is this union? Um, am I getting union wages for mm-hmm. this? Non-union. Okay. All right, I have a weird thing. You've kind of already done it, though, but I wanted to give people advice who are in that scary unemployed time. Cool. Like you it. said, you were shopping. When you needed to shop, you bought like a used, you know, a vintage mm-hmm. shirt, and you were like, I'm a million bucks. I fucking look hot. So I think that is that will go into like my advice. So... We as people who need to like feel joy, we need to be able to celebrate things. Mm -hmm. We need to feel like we have wins, even if they're little wins. Mm -hmm. So if you're currently unemployed and you have no money, honey, 
find a way to feel like you're celebrating and feeling that kind of joy in things that might not cost a lot of money. So if you do want to fucking buy a new outfit for some event, go to Buffalo Exchange, go to Goodwill and- Or Forever 21. Or Forever 21. That's what I would do. I would shop there. Yeah. Yeah. And buy buy something that's cheap as hell. Or if you literally have no money, Go in your closet and find old clothes and put together like mix and match and make something cute. Like yeah. like celebrate yourself in a way that doesn't cost money or do something that is like a date but make it like a picnic. Like like buy groceries and like go to a park, bring a blanket from home, do a picnic, buy like a, you know, a bottle of champagne, a cheap bottle of champagne, Corbel or whatever the fuck it is and make a celebration mm. to feel like good about yourself in a way that doesn't cost any money and you'll still get the joy of like going and shopping at, you know, a, a fancy store and buying a new yeah. pair of shoes or something. Because you think back on the happiest times in your life and like some of mine were like very silly drunk in college eating Domino's on the floor of like my shitty ass apartment and I was like, this is the happiest I've ever been in my life. 100%. If you think about... I always think like and pure emotion. we stress emotion. so much now that we forget we had that. Those are all like social constructs that yeah. make us think like this is an Instagram is like a constant reminder of like what joy should look like or yeah. what success looks like. But I will say like if you think about, if you ever have you ever watched a kid play with a box like on Christmas or like get so much joy out of playing with like a piece of paper? Sure. So my nephew Reed is like almost two and he gets so much joy out of like like buttons or like like a box, right? Let's say that there's like a box in my entryway and he'll be like obsessed with it. And I think we have to remind ourselves of that as adults of like the things that bring us joy. Kids don't know like what is the expensive toy from restoration hardware that like someone spent so much money on. They're like, I'm getting joy out of this box. And I think as adults, we can also do the same thing where like it's a, like a picnic, a picnic that costs us 20 bucks can be like the best experience we've had in months mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, the fancy dinner at, you know, Serafina or whatever, Where Blue Grill or I don't even know the, <laughs> the name. The Blue of, Grill. The Blue Grill. <laughs> yeah. So that's my advice. Thank you. I think that's mm-hmm. very good advice because it's true. We, I forget how to be happy sometimes. Even when you're happy, yeah. we have everything. It's very... Of course. Whew, especially unemployment is like, am I failing at life? No, I'm trying to achieve something better than what yeah. I had. Exactly. It's right? a constant reminder of you're not failing. You now I'm going to sound like Eckhart Tolle again. There should be segments okay. in this where like you do you put music over it and it's like Mike becomes Eckhart Tolle, like like soothing mm. recommendations. I like that. Um, but now I forgot it. What was I saying? Oh, uh, you're not failing. So you're not failing. Being unemployed to you is space to figure out what will actually bring you joy as opposed to uh, like a void of joy time. Because Mm -hmm. realistically, you feeling fulfilled is not contingent upon a job. It's contingent upon you feeling like you are driven to do something that fulfills you and brings you joy. And being unemployed, having that space and time to do that is a gift. I will say it's a gift. That's beautiful. Thank Thank you you so much. Thank you for being a friend. And we're going to close this out with a musical number from Hairspray the Musical. <laughs> um, no, that was amazing. Thank you for being here. You're very spiritual. You're very good at this. Like you make yeah. being unemployed sound 
like a fucking fun <laughs> time. Like <sighs> when you're so just funny. like, I have nothing to worry about. Right. It's like, I want to be Mike today. I oh want to make, God, a, so I want to have a grilled cheese and have a picnic in the park and that's like so fun. teach an improv class later or like coach an that's improv. So group. Fun. Like that's fun. Right. That's it is fun. It, it's also so much about oh. perspective. Like yeah. I think that we lose perspective so often and like what what culture currently tells us is like good and successful it, we, we lose all of our perspectives so i think it's all about like reframing those things and just like finding joy and having fun having fun be unemployed but have fun be unemployed but have fun um, thank you for being here. Thank you for you being so with much. me. I love you so much. One day we will host Good Morning I America. <laughs> I would love or the that. Today Show. Or I don't know what else there is. Kathy Lee and Hoda. She's done. Well, Kathy. Hoda and yeah. who is it now? Uh, Bush. Hoda. Hoda and Bush. Jen of us, Jen of us. But really, it's so funny. Recently, someone asked me like what my dream was. Oh, uh, and when I did seek treatment, they asked me, they're like, what's your dream? My dream used to be to have like a daytime talk show, mm. like in Ellen. Um, and I got away from that when I started like producing and directing. I was like, oh, I don't, maybe my dream is just to like storytell. And I don't know what that form looks like. Yeah. But I thought about it recently. I really still do want like that talk show. And I want to talk to people in like a setting that is open, but still like, humorous like it's still funny yeah. but in a way that is like weirdly spiritual and like gets to the core of what humanity is like um and that's been a recent like discovery for me that I'm like not done with like that kind of space like that kind of dream good because you're good at it so don't be thanks. done thanks. don't be done keep <laughs> telling that story babe keep I gotta doing tell it. I gotta tell yeah <laughs> thanks for being here of course